this. This is the Coors Light Cyclones Coaches Show. Live from the Great American Sports Cafe in Kenwood. Now, alongside head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Here's your host, Nick Brown. Ah, uh, yes, welcome in. It's another Monday Night Live at Great American Sports Cafe. Glad to have you along. With the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. To my right, I am Nick Brunker, voice of the Clones. Glad you're with us, and certainly uh, a lot of hockey to talk about since we haven't been here in a couple of weeks, and uh, a big week ahead with four games in five days beginning Wednesday against the Reading Royals. I guess we'll jump in right away by, by recapping what has gone down over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, but then there's some headlines to get to as well. I guess before we go into the games, uh, let's get into the headlines. Uh, Roster-wise, uh, there have been a couple of things that, that went down. One officially today. One will go down officially tomorrow. But for those people here, get maybe get an inside, inside source, an inside note on what exactly is happening. First, the one that is official, Paul McElveen uh, sent today to the Utah Grizzlies, uh, which completes a deal that was actually uh, um, – underway back in September. It was it was set in motion when Dylan Hunter was traded here on September 22nd, but now the time has come for future considerations to be put in play, and they opt to choose uh, McElveen. Now, I don't want to start off on the wrong foot, but I, I saw some messages today, and every time people read stuff, and I, I sometimes go a little bit off, off track, but I, I was posting the article today in the press release, and, and as... Sometimes people tend to do, they have opinions on it, they have uh, either really good things to say, really bad things to say, sometimes somewhere in the middle, and, and I think one of the comments, and it seemed to be somewhat of a common theme, uh, why do this trade, why do it now, and it started to make me concerned that maybe that there are other people out there who just don't understand how it works, how the trade like this works. Uh, a future considerations deal that was executed back in September, now all of a sudden in, in quote-unquote, the middle of nowhere to some of these people who were they, the, way they, the way they think about it. Uh, why do the deal now? T tell us how this type of a contract, this type of a trade gets executed from start to finish. Well, this was the longest trade, I think, history of hockey. It's been going <laughs> on for forever. There's been anxiety from our organization on different players' names that have been going on. And we touched on it a couple weeks ago with... Uh, you know, everything that's been going on. And, um, you know, the way we look at it is, uh, uh, you know, a guy like Paul McElveen has been playing great for us. He's had a great start to, uh, is, 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 since we acquired him, you know, Paul McElveen's been a big part part of our, uh, you know, success and some wins we've had recently. But, you know, the the names that are thrown around and the names of potentially that we're going to Utah, mm -hmm. you know, Barrett Eggett's, Dustin Sprout, Matthew Aubin. I mean, these are players that were targeted by Utah players that uh you know we did everything in our power over the last month to protect those players and you know of course uh, fortunate with matthew alban getting an american hockey league deal because he was the guy to be honest with you that that utah was stuck on and and taking matthew alban mm -hmm. and you know there's more to this than you know without getting in too many details and throwing you know utah grizzlies coach under the bus <laughs> um uh-huh you know there was some things going on that he was trying to manipulate that uh uh, in order to get him and, you know, threatening to take Barrett Eggets when he's fully aware that Barrett, Barrett would not report to Utah. Barrett Eggets isn't going anywhere. Barrett Eggets is a Cincinnati Cyclone for life. So, yep. um, you know, you know, so when you, when you have a, somebody, you know, kind of threaten you with something like that, you got to do whatever's in your power to protect certain people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Barrett Eggets was protected from that list as long with Bear, uh, Dustin Spro, which left, you know, uh, we had to do something with Matthew Aubin, and fortunately, Lake Erie uh, signed him to American Hockey League contract. And knowing when those trades went down with, with Ryan Del Monte, 
you know, we, we talked about that was, uh, you know, Del Monte would have been available on the list and we could have lost Ryan Del Monte. Now at the time, you know, you know, we needed some people in here. We need to improve our hockey team. And that's why we got to uh, traded two players for Ryan, knowing that somebody's going to be going to Utah. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you don't expect, uh, I, honestly, I didn't expect Paul McElveen to come in and, and do as well as he did. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, the way, the way, if you look at the whole trade as a, the whole thing now, basically, we gave up Chris Claxton for Dylan Hunter. When you look at the whole thing, yeah, Paul McElveen's had some success. But at the end of the day, when you look at the whole trade, it was Claxton for Hunter. And, yep. you know, we're sitting here right now without Dylan Hunter. But, you know, that's, you know, that's the way it goes with the American Hockey League. And uh, we hope to get Dylan here at some point. And Dylan's a big, big part of our hockey team. And, uh, um, you know, we would we really enjoy to have him back. I think we're going to need him back here. Uh, sooner than later, but um, you know that that's it, it's disappointing. I didn't want to lose Paul McElveen. Mm -hmm. um, I like what he's brought to our hockey team, but uh, you know when we get Dylan Hunter back and everything, all that smoke settles. It's basically Claxton for Dylan Hunter. And you think it back to the, to that trade actually with, with Hunter coming in it, as a coach, you can't play with a, under the assumption that oh well we're just going to lose that guy to the American League. You can't assume that. Then also, if you even let's say that you wanted to assume that fine, that, that's your prerogative, but then you take away the numbers that he had put up, which were top five numbers on the team uh, at the time he was with the club, before he got called up. So uh, you would be with, have been without those numbers anyway. So uh, the mentality uh, that some people may e either say, uh, either on, on in the internet or just in passing uh, with conversations that, that we've had, uh, you hear people say, well, uh, why do the deal? I think there was some confusion. I'm glad we could well, clear it up. And the other thing, too, is like it's today was, couldn't have been a better day to do it. Uh, um, yep. You know, we agreed today that today was going to be the day. It's better than doing it on, you know, March 11th on the deadline. And now, you know, you're either trying to replace somebody or, you know, situations like that. So I think, uh, you know, a week ahead of the trade deadline, that trade is final. It's done. We don't have to worry about the Utah Dylan Hunter <laughs> trade anymore. And, uh, you know, we can move on. We have uh, we have a week before the deadline to figure some other things out if we need be. And, um you know, coupled with our other news uh, for tomorrow, I think this makes sense. That another news we'll get into right now. If you haven't seen it already, posted all the stories and all the details to it on my blog at CycloneTalkie.com. The former Florida Panthers defenseman Dennis Weidman headed to Washington in exchange. The Capitals uh, have to deal, and they deal one of their prospects, who actually is an ECHL prospect, forward Jake Hosworth, who was a member of the South Carolina Stingrays. You may recall his name. He played against the Cyclones earlier on this year. Uh, also, the Caps, on an unrelated note, uh, ended up getting Arnett and Steckel. Maybe we'll talk about the NHL deadline uh, and all of that in a little bit uh, later on in the show. But, but a little bit more about Jake. Talk about what he's going to bring and, and certainly the excitement level that you're going to have to add a guy who's 6'5 and over 200 pounds again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, uh, uh, great addition for us. Uh, he plays left wing. He plays center. He's 6'5". Um, you know, he's in his second year uh, pro prospect with the Washington Capitals, now with the Florida Panthers. And, uh, you know, one thing I look at our lineup and, uh, you know, I felt that we were, we've been a small team most of the year. And, you know, picking up, uh, you know, Casey, who's here tonight, and now a guy that's 6'5 with Matthew Aubin. And, and, you know, that's a line I anticipate, uh, you know, seeing on Wednesday night. I mean, that's... That's three big bodies and, uh, you know, a tough, tough line to defend. So, uh, you know, I think Jake's, uh, Jake's going to come in and do a great job for us, a left shot. And, uh, you know, when you, you look at our lineup losing Matt Pierce and Brett Robinson and Scott Reynolds, three of our left wingers that were projected to be here all year, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. going out without them for the majority of the season has been tough. So, you know, to bring in a guy that's, that's established, uh, you know, a younger guy that, uh, you know, is looking for this as an opportunity to go with a new organization, a new start, and... Uh, 
Um, anytime you got a guy 6'5 like that, I think it's a great bonus for your hockey team. Without breaking down too many of the games in depth, let's go back to Monday first since we haven't been here for two weeks. Obviously, the, the Monday day game uh, cut into our, our show, so we didn't have a show Monday. Uh, I guess we can start there and move forward. Uh, you talk about the week that was. You end up being 2-2 two and two with two great wins in OT. Uh, you get a shootout win uh, against Kezu and then an overtime win against uh, the Greenville Road Warriors on, on Friday, sandwiched between a pair of games against the, the Wings where uh, Kezu just continues to do what they have done over the last two, to ha- maybe three and a half weeks, and that is just go running through people. Uh, they have a good hockey club right now. They're running on all cylinders. On the other hand, you have Wheeling, who the Cyclones will face off against on Friday night in Wheeling for the last time this year. Uh, on basically the only, the only word you can describe it is an absolute free fall. Uh, and they've lost nine consecutive games now. Uh, we'll have details on that in a bit. But I guess go back to Monday with Kezu, and if you want, just clump the, the, the two games against Kezu together. Well, that was the best we've seen that team all year. We've had some uh, good games against them uh, in their building and, of course, in ours. I think we beat them once 5-2 with a, an empty net and, and, and stuff. But uh, uh, that, that, that's a different hockey team. I mean, the, the way they come out, the way they, they maintain, especially that Monday, uh, Monday afternoon game. I mean, they came out with a lot of energy, and uh, they just kept going. That was their third and three nights. And uh, uh, they, they, they've got a good hockey team. I mean, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They're, you know, they've got two goaltenders that they're going with, Gill and Nye, that are playing extremely well and guys like Fournier that have picked it up I remember he was a 10 forward for them at the beginning of the season a guy barely just holding on to get in the lineup and uh, now he's up there as one of the leading scorers in the league goal scorers in the league so um, you know and Corey Carlander you know I think he went through a little bit of a lull there through the season where you know he was up there and scoring and faded a bit and now uh, you know at 37 38 (sighs) years old he's having a Tremendous season. So, you know, that's a well-balanced team. And, um, you know, we're going to see a lot more of them. Uh, you know, we had a rough outing, obviously, on Saturday going up there to Kalamazoo. But those uh, those two games here in our building were, uh, you know, good battles. And, uh, you know, we got some points out of it. But uh, to, to face a team like that that's just rolling along, it's just that momentum they have and kind of what Wheeling had for a while there. And uh, it's just amazing at this uh, you know, you take a couple pieces out of your lineup and, uh, you know, your fortunes can really change. Boy, it, it was a week for Brian Foster that was one to remember. Boy, has he been ex- uh, really exciting to watch. And uh, I know from day one we had a chance to see him in practice. Uh, I believe it was uh, the Sunday practice where there was that, that uh, end-of-practice shootout game uh, that went down. And, and he is obviously very quick with his pads, not only in practice but in games. He ended up uh, playing extremely well in a cleanup role on Saturday, making 22 of 23. Uh, I guess in a positive, uh, talk a little bit about what Brian Foster has done so far and your your interest level and your overall analysis, if you will, of your new goaltender from Florida. You know, I, I think he's been tremendous for us. I mean, he's made some big uh, game-changing saves. Um, you know, there's a couple in the, over the week I'm sure he'd like to have back, but, um, you know, he's uh, he's been tremendous. I think uh, another guy that obviously disappointed, you know, coming out of Rochester's camp, leaving Florida's camp, then into Rochester and again, being assigned to the Central Hockey League. But, uh, you know, the opportunity with uh, Mark Chevry going up to bring him in here was, uh, you know, something we were looking forward to, something different, some uh, some new goaltending. And, uh, you know, he's been tremendous. And, uh, you know, I anticipate, uh, you know, going with him a lot more uh, as we get down the stretch here. I think there's a confidance level the players have with uh, uh, Brian and Nett and uh, the way he battles and competes. I mean, there's times that you don't think he's got any opportunity to make a save, and all of a sudden the pad comes out, and mm-hmm. it's a tremendous save. And I think our, our penalty killing has been a lot better because of the way he's, uh, he's played and battles and competes. 
it's amazing too. You, you kind of compare him uh, from a personality standpoint. A lot of times, this is the case. You, you have goalies on on all kinds of teams across all levels of hockey, and, and most of the time, and this isn't always the case. You have one goaltender with a with a personality that that is, you know kind of just outgoing he is a you know a guy that's going to come up and talk to you not that that brian's not that guy but brian's pretty quiet reserved he, he is almost you would assume a little bit cerebrally kind of just sits back and kind of takes it all in whereas chet's a go-getter he he is a guy that goes out there and you can see him in games when he starts getting fired up or frustrated he's going to to really get in your face a bit mm-hmm. uh, is it nice having two goaltenders with two different personalities from a from a locker room standpoint. Yeah, I mean, if you throw Chevy in the whole mix too, Chevy's very serious, and yep. he comes to the game with his uh, game face on, and, uh, you know, Chet's in the middle, and then uh, you got uh, Brian that uh, we, uh, Scott Fankhouse and I usually stop by that Kroger up there and at the Starbucks and, uh, you know, grab a coffee about 3.30 on the way down to the game, and there's Brian Foster in a street clothes grocery shopping. <laughs> and uh, he and he was starting that night, and it was like, "Hey, what's going on?" I just came to pick up a few things. It's like uh, <laughs> you're starting right, four hours. We'll see you down there in a few hours, huh? Yep. All right. And he came down, played <laughs> great, and just very, very laid back and relaxed. Yeah. And it's uh, it, it's nice. I don't think too much rattles him. And uh, you know, we're gonna need that down the stretch here with 17 to go. And uh, you know, like I said, giving him the opportunity on uh, he's gonna start on Wednesday night and. Uh, you know, I anticipate, uh, you know, putting a lot of the workload on his shoulders. I think he's earned it, and uh, I think the guys have a confidence in him. Let's go back to Wednesday where you have a chance to, to face off against the Kalamazoo Wings after dropping the Monday game. So uh, when you when you talk about points in hand, at that point, you were still kind of right underneath Kalamazoo trying to keep pace, and you do so. You pick up a, a win that it was one of the more exciting ones to watch. You end up getting a shootout victory. Uh, Matthew Aban ending it in the shootout. Just one of those games, too. And, and frankly, you can even make Friday night uh, put that into the same category. Two games that, that were very important in the point standings, and they couldn't have come down to more exciting plays at the end. Oh, absolutely. The the Wednesday's game was really exciting. I mean, uh, you know, actually Fournier scores that one out of the air. We have the lead, and he bats it in to tie it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we felt we had that game under control. But, uh you know, to, to win in a shootout, and, you know, Chet played tr- extremely well. We got some big goals from our guys in the shootout, and, uh, um, you know, it was nice to, nice to go to the <laughs> extra session and win, uh, especially against that team. I mean, yeah. like I said, that team is really rolling right now. They're playing well, and uh, to get two points that night was, uh, was big for us. And Greenville, certainly a, a night that I, I know a lot of Cyclones fans were curious to see when, with Dean Stork's return. And uh, I talked with him before the game, and he was, he was extremely, extremely emotional and nervous coming in. Uh, I, I saw him at about 5.30, and, and boy, he, he looked like he hadn't eaten in a while because he was just really just kind of shaken almost. And not that he isn't confident, not that he isn't going to go in with the same mentality that he comes with every game, but he told me that walking into U.S. Bank Arena for the first time uh, was pretty emotional. And then for you to go out there and have as close of a battle as it was uh, – uh, had to feel good from your end, and also uh, you take what what the standings kind of proved to everybody. Greenville's a pretty good team uh, from top to bottom, and uh, you were able to do a lot of good things successfully against them defensively. Talk about your uh, your level of uh, uh, of happiness, or in this case, your just your satisfaction of how you played against Greenville that night. Well, hi, that, that was a great hockey game from start to finish. Uh, you know, you can tell early on two teams that hadn't seen each other. You know, I believe the shots were like, uh, you know, 4-3 uh, or something halfway through the first period, and which has been unlikely for us lately. We've been getting a lot of shots on that, a lot of opportunities. So, uh, you know, the game was back and forth like that and opened up a little bit. And, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how, um, you know, that, that game, you look back at it, and it's nice to get the win and stuff, but, you know, having that 2-1 lead disappear into a 3-2 uh, mm. deficit real fast was, uh, was very frustrating. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it was such a big game for us, and to have, uh, you know, that, that, that game-tying goal and then to score it in overtime was uh, just such an emotional high and such a, a great feeling for the guys to beat a team that's been, you know, considered the best team in the league, uh, or at least the Eastern Conference all season long. So, uh uh, it, it was a it was a tremendous win for us. Very exciting, and especially with a big crowd that we had there on Friday night, was uh, was great to see people out there and to get to do those two points also. Yeah, certainly, almost six thousand showed up for that one against Greenville. Uh, and you talk about the playoff feel. I think it, it goes without saying at the end of the season as we move through the stretch. Certainly, the Southern trip will have its own uh, excitement level just because of the, of the teams that you're going to play. But then you look ahead. You have games pretty much primarily against Kalamazoo and Toledo. Ironically enough, at least for what was the moment moment this past week the two teams you were fighting for now more Toledo and Elmira than everybody else but uh, it almost it feels like that the rest of the season is almost kind of like a mini playoffs and to have that game against Greenville kind of live up to those types of expectations uh, playoff wise it's probably good for the room I would imagine oh absolutely you know it was kind of like we went down to Florida and won all three games down there it's kind of you know when when we want to play we are we're a good hockey team and when we're uh, against better teams like that that are, you know Better as I mean, you know, teams that we've seen, you know, Toledo's had its struggles, and Kalamazoo was, you know, you know, fairly average all year to recently, and and then to you know go down to beat Florida, a team the highest scoring team in the league, and then of course to, you know, have success against South Carolina, that's a good hockey team, and of course uh, Greenville, and we're going right back into the, into a lion's den down there with uh, three against South Carolina and Gwinnett and, and Greenville again, so. Uh, you know, that's a huge trip for us to come back and then uh, got all those games against Toledo and, and Kalamazoo. So, uh, you know, it's an exciting time. There's one month left, uh, a lot of hockey, a lot of travel. And, uh, uh, you know, the guys are excited for the challenge. I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity for us all these games in a row and uh, especially where we're at and, you know, six teams battling out for these spots. And uh, it, it's, it's going to come down to the wire and it's going to be exciting. We're going to take your questions now. If you have a question for the coach or for me, you could stop on up and grab the live mic. We'll take them all show long as you can ask your questions of the head coach. Herb is here with the first one of the night. Herb, you go ahead. Jared, uh, about two months ago we had this discussion. In, in the shootouts, yep. you stated you would rather shoot first. But the past two shootouts, we've shot second. What changed your philosophy? I just, just looking at the success we've had, or maybe lack of success we've had in the shootouts, just to... Uh, you know, mix it up a little bit. I, you know, you like to put a little bit of the onus on the shooter or on the goaltender, not the shooter. And uh, I just felt that, um, you know, at the moment, let's just mix it up here. I thought Chet was playing well, and uh, you know, the guys, uh, guys were going well, and let's uh, let's try something different here. So, uh, you know, it worked out. I mean, uh, it, it's the last time we got in a shootout. We obviously have some different players now. With you know, Casey and McIlvain was able to score in the in the shootout and stuff, and Abby with his uh, with the big goal. So, um, you know, just something different, just to mix it up a little bit, put a little different uh, different look at it, and, uh, you know, put a little bit more stress on Chet there that night to make the save, and, um, you know, he came up big for us. And speaking of goalies, uh, what goes through your mind when you are deciding to pull a goalie during the game? Yeah. Well, uh-oh. <laughs> And I wasn't put up to this one. Yeah. This, well, this, I'm going to go over my... here and get a drink. Well, <laughs> four, four goals on 12 shots is an easy decision. That's, that's, that's very easy to do. Um, you know, there, there's things that you got you to look at, you know, what type of goals they were. And, you know, was he hung out to dry or was he, you know, was it just basically a bad goal? And, uh, 
Um, you know, with uh, with Chet on Friday on Saturday, I felt you know down three nothing, and then the fourth, and I'm was only a couple minutes left. I'm not going to embarrass him and pull him at that point. Let's wait till the end of the period and make that change then. So you know, there's a few factors like that. I mean. Uh, uh, you don't want to embarrass your goaltenders, but at the same time, if they're not going, you've got to make a change. And, uh, um, you know, it was one of those nights on Saturday where Chet just wasn't, uh, you know, the first one uh, shot right in the slot there. You know, could he have had it? Yes, no, you know, one of those. But, um, you know, definitely uh, felt there's a couple there he could have had or at least, uh, you know, a little better effort getting to it or whatever. He just, uh, he struggled. And uh, as a group, we struggled. So, um, you know, there's times, too, where a goalie might be playing all right. He just, uh, you know, some backdoor plays and stuff. And, you know, you don't want to hang him out for seven, eight goals again. So, uh, you know, you make that change. And sometimes it can waken the guys up a little bit or uh, just change the dynamics of a game a bit. But it's, it's never easy. I mean, you don't want to see that happen, uh, especially for any of our goaltenders' sake. And obviously for the success of our team, you don't want to see our guys in that situation. Coach, what responsibilities do you give to your assistant coach during the game? Well, he runs a defenseman. He's in charge of the defenseman and, um, you know, making decisions. We, we go in with a game plan on situations, who we want, whether it's penalty killing or power play or uh, depending on what teams we're playing, what defenseman we want against uh, certain lines. So obviously a lot easier at home to do than on the road. But, uh, you know, Scott Fankhauser's responsibility during the game is uh, basically run the D and if uh, have to run some stuff by him. And, you know, there's times when the uh, game goes on, you don't see what just happened. You know, a goal may have happened or an odd man rush may have just happened. And, you know, so we'll talk about stuff like that. And, of course, off the ice, Scott's got a lot of responsibility administrative-wise and uh, um, all kinds of stuff. He works a lot with the goaltenders also, so with the defensemen and the goaltenders. So, you know, he's a valuable asset to have on the bench. And, uh, um, you know, he's done a great job this year. How, how, how many teeth have the whole team lost? Ooh, it's a lot. Jeez. I mean, with, now the deli's gone, you can take a few off because he, he lost all of the you, front. Are you meaning uh, this this season alone or overall? Oh, this season alone. Um, I don't know if we. I don't know how many teeth. None, none that have been like as big of yeah uh, as big of a hit as, as Deli took against. Uh, it was Johnstown, I think, when he got hit in the face. Yeah, I'd probably say half our guys are missing teeth, but more than half. Yeah, they're uh, some by playing hockey, some for other reasons. I don't know, but um, oh boy. They're, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just parts in the brochure when you sign up, you're going to lose your teeth. So it's, uh, you kind of accept it. And Unless you wear go the goalie on. mask. Yeah. Goalies have all their teeth most of Generally, the time. Generally, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's tough, but it's, uh, it's part of it. Next question, whenever you're ready. Okay. Um, in that Friday night game against Greenville, late in the second period, they were going to lose puck about 15 feet in front of the net. And the Greenville goalie and the Cyclone player went after the puck at the same time. And um, the Cyclone player went around the goalie and shot the goal into the empty net. Yeah. Why did the referee uh, notify that goal? He was offside. It was Paul McElveen. Uh, there was an outlet pass from our zone to Paul. He was waiting to get that pass. And when he got the pass, he was already offside. So... It, the play was already dead before the ref could blow the whistle, and he skated around and put it in. So it was offside. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was an offside goal. It was uh, it was more dramatic than it should have been. Just at the by the time the referee could blow the mm -hmm. whistle, Paul was already by and put him in the net. But yeah. it was blown. It was already uh, called offside right there at the moment. He was clearly offside. 
by about a foot or two when he got that pass. Yeah, if he was gonna if he was gonna grab that puck, there was been only one way of getting him. That's going off sides. If he would have held up, he would have missed the pass. It was the right call. Yep. It was it wasn't even close to being uh, you know. Would have been nice. Well, it was a great great effort, but just uh, just about a foot offside. NHL ninety four rules. Too great. bad. Thank you, Mike. Nick, coach. Hey. Uh, Brady, how's Brady doing? He's a forward, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, how's he? Brady will be in the lineup Wednesday. Um, he's been uh, – he got hit really hard. Uh, was that about two weeks ago? Two weeks, yeah. No uh, hip problem or something? Yeah, right at center ice. I thought we got fortunate that it was only banged up. It was an ugly looking uh, – I thought it could have been worse with his knee and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he's had treatment. He's been skating for about three, four days now. And um, he's going to go practice again with us tomorrow morning, and then he'll be in the lineup uh, Wednesday night, Brady. So, you know, and again, with, uh, you know, with McElveen and stuff, and obviously Brady Calla and Paul McElveen are different, different players. Um, but, you know, when you look at left shots, right shots, and having Brady come in, it, he fits uh, right into our lineup now uh, as, a right, as a right shot there. So uh, <clears throat> we should be up to par pretty much injury-wise. I'm buying my uh, tickets. I'm going to Charleston, okay? Well, if you, if, if you eliminate the, the, the three year-end surgeries and the, um, the, all that stuff, I don't think we'll ever be up to par. But for what we've got, um, you know, the, what we're anticipating right now is, is Brian O'Hanley coming back, uh, Ben Olson coming back, Dylan Hunter coming back, um, potentially Adam Comrie. Um, you know, these are all things that will get sorted out uh, uh, hopefully after Monday when the American Hockey League trade deadline clear day is on Monday, we'll have a better idea. I'm not sure if the Florida trades today or last couple days uh, will really be helping us with them trading three defensemen in, with the Florida Panthers. So uh, we just have to see how, uh, you know, how things play out in Rochester. And, then you know, it'll be nice uh, with Brian Hanley. It'd be nice to get him back before this weekend or potentially for our, our long trip. And then, you know, Dylan Hunter, I'll it all comes down to Nashville Predators getting healthy and then the uh, Milwaukee Admirals getting healthy and then uh, seeing Dylan. So those are the guys we're waiting on. Uh, from an injury standpoint, you know, we're not going to see Robinson, Pierce, Reynolds. Um, Scott Lehman, you know, he's getting evaluated on uh, Thursday. He's got a, a shoulder issue that, um, you know, we're not sure about his availability for the near future. So, um, you know, that... that uh, you know, those are difficult, uh, difficult injuries and stuff, but, uh, you know, we can't look back at those things, and that's why, you know, you have to make some moves. you got to better your hockey team, and, um, you know, there will be some other things happen before Monday, hopefully some additions that can, can help in certain areas. Appreciate the questions. If you have more, we have time for them as we move along. We'll let Coach get a bite deep. Actually, before you do, I want to ask you one thing. Uh, on Saturday night, and I don't always like to bring up the officiating, but I, I think it was fair to to address because if you see the box score, uh, you assume the game was evenly called from a back and forth, eight penalty, eight power plays for the Cyclones, seven for the uh, for the Kalamazoo Wings. And to be quite honest, uh, that was not the case. Uh, there was a point in time where I, I almost stepped over the line when it comes to the officials and my criticism of them. Uh, I didn't want to step over the line then, uh, but now that we're you know kind of amongst friends and and not uh, under the microscope of the ECHL, give give me your thoughts on on the game and not that you can ever say that the referees gave a game away. Uh, it just felt like in the first I'd say 35 minutes of that hockey game that it was it, it was as if Tom Steinle and company were under the payroll of Nick Bootland's club. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Well, I, yeah, well, that's, that's pretty uh, clear, Nick, what you're trying to get across. Um, I'll, even, I'll bring it back a couple games. That, uh, that loss on Wednesday night, that was uh, uh, basically lost that game on an icing call. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everybody saw that. It was uh, you know clear-cut icing call. Brock Sheehan goes back for puck. Barrett Eggett stops coming back because it's an icing. They wave it off, you know, and the guy's standing there in the slot with the ego trying to get back. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's a 2-2 hockey game with six minutes to go. That was clearly an icing. Yep. Um, you know, it, it kind of goes in spurts. I mean, there's been, there's been stretches this year where I felt the refereeing was just absolutely terrible. Yeah. And then we've gone through stretches where you can say that was a pretty good called game. And yep. uh, I felt our last three here, even... Uh, you know, we didn't get a power play till overtime with Greenville, and you know we had to kill off a bunch that night. The power Two plays we got were, were five, you know, five on four, and then they take one and made it four on four. So, um, one thing I don't like about is when a referee does back-to-back games. You know, we had Tom Steinle on Friday night, um, and then we got him again on Saturday. And I, I think there's a carryover. I think it's just natural. Um, and uh, you know, like you said, Nick, you look at the penalties eight to seven, but. You know, the situations they put us in early in Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. those power plays that they got early on. He gave us a five-on-three in the third. We're down 5-1 with 10 minutes to go. He gave us a couple other power plays in the third. But, you know, such situational things to give them opportunities early on in a hockey game like that that, you know, you, you can't look at the end of the game and say, well, that was a fairly even called game because uh, it definitely wasn't on uh, Saturday. We, we, we didn't come out the, the way we wanted to. We didn't play our best, but we definitely didn't get any favors from uh, – from the officiating, especially in that first period. Let me ask you this, and, and then we can let you go and get a bite to eat. We'll bring Casey Piero Zabatel up, who's with us tonight. Uh, there was a point in time, uh, and I'd have to look, and I'm looking at the box score now. Uh, it was at the 1741 mark of the second. Uh, there was an altercation at, at uh, just inside the Cincinnati line. Mike Salito, um, who hasn't been uh, a regular contributor to the to the Kalamazoo lineup this season, he's he's been on the ro- on the roster, but really hasn't. He's been a non-factor. Let's just put it that way. Uh, gets into a shouting match with Samson Mabad, and uh, Mabad obviously is good at getting under people's skin. Uh, and what ended up happening was Salito, for those that didn't watch or listen, uh, literally dropped his gloves and, and started sucker punching Mabad uh, in, in his face. And of course, he's doing the turtle trying to protect himself. And the ultimate uh, call from, from the referee, Tom Steinel, is a four-minute double minor and a 10-minute misconduct. Uh, I, I got to ask, did, did he come up to you, Tom Steinel, at any point either during the game or after to explain how somebody can drop the gloves, not receive a five-minute for fighting, and on top of that, end up not calling a game misconduct in the guy for sucker punching? Well, uh, that was incredible. I've not, I've not seen something like that. And uh, well, first of all, Tom Steinle doesn't communicate. So I okay. uh, two two games, sixty minutes, one hundred twenty minutes of hockey. I there's no communication with him at all. And I think that's a problem with young referees. Is that you know there's certain situations they should come over and explain to coaches sure. what what the call. They don't need to do it for every penalty, but there is certain situations that there has to be communication. And a uh, young referee like that through uh, whatever sanctioning USA. Uh, refereeing they do that, that uh, to limit communication with coaches, which is uh, very frustrating, and, and, and there needs to be some. But anyways, uh, it, it, what happened there even more was that, that Stilito, he came right off the bench. He actually cross-checked uh, Casey in front of the net, no call, and then he went right after Mabad, dropped his gloves, and started, you know, hit him. It was clearly a five-minute major. Easily. I mean, he had his gloves off punching. So, um, you know, I, that was just a mind-boggling call. I just cannot believe that a guy doesn't get five minutes for that. Um, you know, Samson had no time to even defend himself for anything. He no. totally got jumped and, 
stuff like that. And um, but you know the good teammate Scott Lehman is he uh, when the kid finally got about a second shift of the game in the third period, <laughs> he finished the job. Uh, Lehman went uh, pulled Sampson off the ice and went beeline to him and gave him a good beating. So that was uh, <laughs> that was good. But yeah, it's a, you know, and as a referee, you got to see a guy's gotten maybe three shifts in the last three games yeah. and comes right from off the bench and, and, uh, and does something like that in a 4-1 hockey game. Like, unnecessary. You know, totally unnecessary. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, uh, you know, that, that, that was kind of Tom that night. I mean, he uh, just some odd calls that he was uh, calling or non-calls or whatever. One more question before we take a break. Mike okay. is here. Hey, Mike, Mike, how you doing? Good. Don't you think that guy should have got a suspension out of it? I mean, if that was us, we would got some kind of – penalty for it yeah i mean the, the one that that got me that she, i thought should have been suspended and i talked to league about is i don't remember when uh, tim spencer from florida came off the bench to grab scott mm -hmm. layman in front of the far end right in front of you guys there uh, when he started beating on layman you know he got five for that and a 10 you know but he clearly you know left the bench beeline to him and just started jumped him and started beating him. i mean for me that that's that should be some sort of suspension i yep. felt that that was uh you know, the league should address an issue like that. A player coming clearly off the bench with intentions to go after somebody, you know, grabbing layman and then just beating on him like that. So, you know, in that situation there, he got 5, 10. Um, I don't believe he got the game, but he got nope. 5 and a 10. So, um, but, you know, I think, you know, the league sent out memos uh, about a month ago about they're going to be clamping down on any... The, this year in the ECHL, there's been more game misconducts and, and different stuff like that than in the past. So the league's going to be referees are going to be clamping down. The league's going to be clamping down, and I've not seen any of that uh, from any standpoint of uh, officials or the league. The Dustin Sprout hit that put him out with a concussion for two weeks that was as, as ugly as hit. And what the hockey's talking about is, uh, you know, uh, hitting from the blind side like that. And yeah. uh, Dustin Sprout clearly got elbowed in the head and put them out and that basically there wasn't even a penalty called and the league reviewed it I sent it in and they viewed it as a clean hit and I just have no idea well, as I'm watching talking to the league about it that they can call that a, a clean hit in hockey that a guy's been blindsided with an elbow lying on the ice and uh, you know it's unfortunate we got uh, Sproder back but uh, you know when you lose a guy like that for your lineup for Four or five games, that's a big piece of your lineup. Makes a difference. We get, uh, have much more to get to with the head coach of the Cyclones, including four games in five days to preview. We'll do that coming up. But next, we have a player here tonight. It is a newcomer. Casey Piero Zabatel is in the house. He will join us next as the Coors Light Coaches Show continues in a moment. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. Back to it, another segment live at Great American Sports Cafe. I'm Nick Brunker. Head coach Jared Scaldi will be back with us in just a couple of minutes to preview a big week of hockey at U.S. Bank Arena and elsewhere. Details on that coming up. Also coming up on uh, Wednesday night, it is the last whist, uh, wrist shots and whiskey shots of the season as you get a chance to have some unique whiskey tasting before the event, before the game, uh, up at the all-access bar and grill and hors d'oeuvres while you watch warm-ups and enjoy all of that. That's Wednesday. Limited space available. It went very, very quickly last week. I don't know if Parsons has any other uh, numbers. Do you have a total right now of, of available spaces for Wednesday? No? I know that we, were, we had some left, but they were running out quickly. So if you want to uh, jump on board, make sure you call a Cyclones representative uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 9 o'clock, 513-421-PUCK. Please to, uh, welcome in our very first, uh, uh, our next guest, our very first time we've had a chance to sit down with him, a third-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 2007. You knew him for a while as the enemy from the Wheeling Nailers. Now he has become one of the most consistent point scorers on this team. In fact, he now is towards the top of the point scoring list, Casey Piero Zabatel. Casey, 
Welcome in. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, it's good to be here. Well, I first got to start off by asking, what was it like playing in Wheeling? Um, that's a little different than, uh, <laughs> than here. It's a lot of big change. It's a lot small city coming to a big city like uh, Cincinnati here. It's not as much to do. No, you've been in, in certainly a very, very busy, busy couple of weeks. So perhaps not as much time to, to go experience the city. But have you had a chance to, to do any sightseeing in your time here so far? Or is that still, still coming up in your future? I did a little bit. I went to the mall. went to the aquarium. Uh, it's pretty good so far. No, I obviously see that you brought your wife and your son. You're, uh, how old is he now? Uh, he's 16 months. He's got to be running around like crazy. He's around hockey his entire life, obviously, all, all 16 months of it or so. Uh, do you have aspirations for him to get into the game? And if so, how quickly do you plan on getting him on the ice? Yeah, I definitely uh, want him to be a hockey player for sure. Uh, I already got him. <laughs> Got my pair of skates running around the house and those already too. Lane, your son's name, Levi, your wife, who's, who's here as well. Uh, their, their experience here in Cincinnati, have they enjoyed it so far? Yeah, definitely. They've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's a big, uh, bigger change. Uh, a lot of more things to do for them and uh, they have a uh, a lot of fun here. Now, when you switch a team anytime, you know, it, it's one of those things where sometimes it's just a matter of kind of getting your legs underneath you again, new system or just a, a new locker room. It didn't take long at all. In fact, it didn't take any time, literally, uh, for you to make an immediate impact offensively. Uh, talk a little bit about your, uh, your level of comfort just jumping into the system. Certainly having played against the Cyclones a few times, I would imagine, helped. But it, it seemed like it didn't take any time at all for you to get really comfortable with, with what Jared Scaldi and, and his team has been doing. Yeah, it's been a good transition. Uh, the first day they told me all the systems, and uh, I I've, I've, uh, thought I've gathered them in pretty well and played, played hard and uh, played smart within the system, and it's pretty easy to play that way. When you talk about the guys in the locker room, obviously having a wife and kid off the ice, you tend to, to, to go back and spend time with them as much as you can. But from, from a locker room standpoint, it seems like everybody was uh, extremely accepting. You jump in right into the mix, and it's like, and that's what I've always known about, about this group is that it, you're just one of the guys. Once you're in, you're, you're in the group, and, and everybody seems to be really warming about everybody that comes in, not just yourself, but everyone. Uh, I'm sure as a, a player coming into a, a new room, there may be a little bit of, okay, how is this going to go? Uh, I would imagine you've been pleasantly surprised with how that transition was for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, coming into the locker room, uh, I was uh, greeted right away. A lot of good guys in the, in the locker room. They're real nice and real accepting. It was easy. That, that would made the transition even more easier. Anybody in particular that stands out as, uh, as a surprise, just personality-wise? Because everybody that I talk to, they, they meet Matthew up and, and they're like, that's an interesting fella. Yeah, definitely. Obby's a, he's a funny guy in the <laughs> locker room. Uh, Along with uh, Rotor and Egg, it's uh, a lot of fun in the locker room. It's good to be around them. Now, I guess having been a, a Pittsburgh Penguins choice uh, and you're still under their contract and the system there, uh, I guess take me to, to the preseason camps when you were uh, skating and perhaps went up against uh, guys like Sidney Crosby or others. Talk a little bit about uh, the experience just kind of playing in that Pittsburgh system, especially of late where they've had so much success on the ice. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Guys like Crosby and Malkin and Stahl and all of them, uh, it's great to be out there with them. You learn a lot from just practicing with them and watching them every day in camp. And uh, you kind of got to focus on your game, though, and try not to watch them as much. Really? And when you have a chance to talk with them, or do you really at that point, or do they kind of do they kind of stay with themselves in their group? No, uh, the whole Pittsburgh organization is really nice. They're, uh, they come up and talk to you and ask you how you're doing stuff, and uh, they're really accepting to everyone. 
when you look at all the, the different things that have gone down with that organization over the last 10 years, I, I got to think when you were growing up uh, and you were playing in you know, the junior levels and, and just kind of getting your career off the ground, was there a team that, and you can say Pittsburgh if that's the, the real situation, but uh, was there a team that you always imagined getting a chance to play for at some point in your career? Uh, growing up, uh, I thought I liked the Colorado Avalanche, my favorite team. Yeah. So I would have been... So what you what you make of the Peter Forsberg comeback? That was all about a week. Yeah, I was a little. <laughs> I thought that that was exactly what's going to happen. He was yeah. going to come back, play a couple games, then retire again. But you think that is it something that could really be? You look at a guy like that who is obviously well conditioned, but is that a situation where and having played the game yourself, having you know tried to to compete and continue to to keep yourself in shape. All the meanwhile, raising a family as well. Uh, is that something that you would imagine is, is really possible in the way hockey is today, the way the game is being played? Yeah, definitely. If you uh, keep yourself in really good shape and uh, as long as you can keep up to the NHL level, I think you can play in every day as long as possible. Like you look at uh, Chris Chelios who plays until he's like 40 something. Mm-hmm. He plays well, and uh, it's all about conditioning and the drive to play. So what do you do to keep yourself occupied during, obviously, the, the off time that you have, much of it at home at least, is spent with the family, but, but when you're on the road, when you're you know, preparing to, to get into a game, uh, whether it is you know, at U.S. Bank Arena or it's on the road like we're going to be on for the next couple of weeks after, after this weekend, oh, what kind of things do you do to, to keep yourself occupied? Uh, well, on the road, I'll try and get a, a lot of rest, but uh, usually if we have a little free time, I'll go watch a movie. It's always nice to get out and relax and just watch a good movie. We have questions from the crowd. Herb is here, and he has the first one. Herb, you go ahead. Uh, I know you've been just in Cincy for a couple weeks. Uh, noticed you went to the uh, aquarium. How was that? Uh, it was great. It's a good experience to go there. It's uh, really neat. Now, with us being a little larger city than Wheeling, uh, how will the activities that are available here impact your gaming time? Uh, well, it definitely affects a lot. Uh, spend more time out of the house rather than at home playing good video games. Uh, you know there's somebody sitting next to you that thinks he's the best gamer. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> You're an NHLer as well? You play NHL 11? Yeah, I play a little bit. Which team do you play with? Uh, mostly Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling. Now, now I thought I'd just let you know for your trip. Well, you there. see, the thing is, where we were talking about this literally, uh, like earlier this week, late last week, however you want to look at it, um, it, it was it, it's me, it's Ben Olson who is in in Bridgeport right now, and a few others. Apparently, Layman wants in on this as well. Uh, but I still say we got to get a we got to get a tournament going. Would you be in on playing a tournament? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd be really interested. I think I'd be able to win that one. Now, maybe I'd have to ask people here how they want to play this because I'm thinking what we would end up doing. And again, I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe you can help me as well. We have kind of a, a play-in where people like yourselves, fans, could come in, sign up to, to take on us, you know, obviously the, the incumbent experts of the sport, and, uh, and have a tournament. Would you, be, would you be in on that? And if so... Where do you think you would seed yourself in a, let's say, you know, out of an eight-team eight field? Where, where would you seed yourself? Because uh, Ben talks a big game now. I'd probably see myself, like, top three, probably. Top three. For sure. Are you, do you, so you play a lot online, or do you play typically against the computer? Uh, a little bit of both. You see, that's a mistake. you got to play online. you got to play online, because the online's where it's at. I think we should get this going. 
I think we should get this going in the next couple of weeks. Herbie, yeah? I think you should get it going and get all the proceeds to go to HP4K. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> we'll make that happen. Any other questions for Casey? Not at this time. Well, it looks like we have one more before we're through here. How long did it take you to learn hockey? Um, probably not too long. Took a little while. Probably the hardest part was learning how to skate. Then after that, it was uh, smooth sailing from there. And what year did you start? Uh, I started skating when I was about two. Started playing hockey around four. Wow. Thank you very much. Any other questions? Nope. Now, speaking of, of, of learning to play, um, has, has Lane gotten on skates, even the, the double blades yet, or is he still a little bit too young for even that? Uh, I've got him. I took him out for one skate. I think it was a fan skating wheeling. Uh -huh. I took him out, and uh, he was... I had to push him around, but he, he liked it. I He's getting up. the feel of it. Yeah. That's going to be fun. So by the, this time next year, you're going to have him playing and deacon and playing with skate over there. Oh, yeah. He'll be able to <laughs> skate by himself. Well, good luck the rest of the way. We hope that you have the continued success that you've had so far. Best of luck, and we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. That's Casey Piero Zabatel. We'll be back with the head coach of the Cyclones coming up next as the Coors Light Cyclones Coaches Show continues in a moment. You're listening to CyclonesHockey.com. CyclonesHockey.com. All right, back to it. Another segment with the head coach of the Cincinnati Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker, voice of Cincinnati Cyclones Hockey. Happy to have you along on this Monday night. One quick uh, programming note. We will, indeed will, have a show next Monday, just hours before we get on the bus and embark on a nine-and-a-half-hour road trip to warm I would say spring-like South Carolina, but I don't want to jinx ourselves now because, as we saw today, it can go from 50, 52, 53 degrees here to 30, 31, 32, and that's not a good situation. That, that groundhog is really irritating. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're looking forward to that, Nick. The uh, uh, trip should be nice. We'll leave about midnight on Monday night and then uh, get in, get practice in, and get ready to go for that, uh, that trip. And, uh, uh, you know, the boys are excited. We haven't been on the road uh, for a long time like that, so it'll be a good, uh, good experience, especially with a lot of new guys, and uh, uh, looking forward to it. Now, uh, before we get too much further, we only have a handful of minutes, believe it or not. Uh, would you sanction this NHL 11 tournament? The, uh, the video game tournament. Oh, I don't get involved in any. Don't even talk to me about that stuff. You wouldn't I, sanction it? I, I play cards. I read uh, the hockey you don't news. Have to, you don't have to be a part of the tournament, but we've got to uh, get your blessing to get it off the ground. I, go to Fanky. I have nothing to do with video games. <laughs> nothing. All right, we have a question before we wrap things up and uh, preview the week's games, four games and five beginning Wednesday. Rob is here. Rob, you go ahead. Quick question in regards to the uh, team music video. When are we getting the Jared Scoldy, I coach the clones version, along with the Nick Brunker, I call the clones Not gonna version. Not going to happen. No, that ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. I think we're just very fortunate we actually got in the video, ain't eh, it? You, you yeah, had a, a yeah. very key part. Anything yeah. is possible with you behind the bench. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was good. That's a great. Uh, that's a great cause, and it's a great video. And Scott Lehman and Sproder did a great job with it. Please spread the word if you haven't. I'm sure you have, but we are, have over 27,000 views over uh, about a week. So it's been really good. The Hockey News picked it up, did a story on it. Uh, I know that uh, Local 12 here in town is planning on, on at least at some point, airing a, a story that they recorded about it. So it's getting some great national pub, and uh, we hope that you continue to spread the word on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, on the Internet. So please do that uh, whenever you can. All right, quickly, taking a look at the, the games, I guess we can kind of clump it all together. Uh, you can't much get 
bigger than it is uh, over the weekend. It starts with a, a game against you go from one team that's playing as hot as they have been in Keizu to a team that is literally the best team in the ECHL based on record. The Reading Royals coming into town, a team that Quite honestly, and, and you can kind of speak more about it than I can from your your perspective, uh, you, you face them off in, in December once and then twice up in Reading. Uh, it's a team that I felt th that you stack up better against. Now that was then, this is now. Yeah, no, we played, uh, the three games we played Reading, we played very well. Um, you know, we gave ourselves every opportunity to win. The, the, the second game up there, up 3-1 going into the third, we had every opportunity to win that. But, uh, you know, we played very, very good against... Uh, here against Reading, uh, you know, we just haven't been able to find that uh, in regulation. But like you said, Nick, you know, we've, we're a different lineup and they've added some things. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I think, um, you know, we're looking forward to that one and uh, little, the team we haven't seen in a while. So it'll be, a, it, I believe it'll be a good matchup. Big weekend, though, obviously, after the game Wednesday. You don't want to look too far ahead, but for the sake of the show, we will. When, uh, Friday night, we head up to, to Wheeling to face off against the Nailers for the final time all season long. No more games against Wheeling. Uh, and unfortunately, the way they're playing right now, you'd hope that maybe you, you could face them off a little bit more, take some points. But uh, then again, it, it's two points on the line, and it would, it's going to kick off uh, a North Division field weekend with Toledo here Saturday, back to KZU Sunday. Uh, it's hard to say that, that any games must win, but we've talked about it. Uh, from here on, every point matters. And where you're going to sit right now, a, a loss could put you out and a win could put you in or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such so such crucial every single game. And, you know, as coaches and, and players, you say this is, a, this is a big game. But, uh, you know, our, our guys know the importance of every point, and they understand that, you know, it starts with Wednesday. And then, of course, going into our division against three, uh, three different opponents is uh, – it's a big stretch, and especially heading into this uh, this long trip that isn't going to be easy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're we're looking forward to it. I mean, it's uh, it's good to go into Wheeling with uh, with Casey and uh, some different guys, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, look for some different success uh, up there. It's going to be the first time that, that he gets to face off against his former team. So, it certainly will be interesting. Seven thirty-five Friday on the Cyclones Radio Network. We have time for one more question from Mike Kyle, who is here. Mike, you grab the mic and you can ask your question. When you guys are going to get a bobblehead? Who? You two. That's, I, he, he has a better likelihood than I do. I, I can know. tell you that right now. After they gave that last one out, I think you got a better chance, Nick. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Who's that, Bob Herzog? <laughs> yeah, he's a media personality. Yeah, there you go. He See? dances. I don't. Well, you, you should get a bobblehead. No, <laughs> can you imagine? I don't know. I, bring that Obama one back. <laughs> really? I don't know. Sell I would so much rather have a Jared Scaldi bobblehead. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, see, I think you both should have one. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thank you, Mike. Mike. All right. Uh, we have time for one more thing, and that is to give away four tickets for Wednesday. By the way, if you haven't heard already, Wednesday is that whiskey shots, wrist shots thing. And in addition is also the last dollar beer night of the regular season. PBR, Miller High Life flowing all night. So if you have not gotten your tickets yet, now is a chance potentially. One of them? All right. This is the winner of four tickets for Wednesday's game against the Reading Royals. 0-0-0-7-7-1-7-7-1. Do we have a winner? Do we have a winner? 0-0-0-7-7-1. All right. Nice. Thank you very much. We'll see you Wednesday night, and hopefully we'll see you as well. Don't forget, back here with the coach next Monday night, 7-8. I'm Nick Brunker. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you Wednesday. Good night.